0: This week's episode is brought to you by the transcript of More Cute Stories Volume Three: Museum of the Weird. That's right. Every once in a while, we transcribe into words the Mu- More Cute Stories series, and the latest one is Volume Three about the Museum of the Weird. So if you ever like listened to it and you thought, "Hey, this is great," but I'd love to read this as well. Well, now you can. It's on Amazon and Barnes Noble and all the ebook places. So check it out today.
1: Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born, identical twins. I'm George. And
0: I'm Jeff. And you know, you know, you know.
1: So you didn't even plan anything to banter about? You know. (laughs) You know. So we've had rain here in North Carolina. What's that like? (laughs) <laughs> I feel like we've had this banter conversation before. It depends on what we run out of. Oh, so we should banter. Okay, so people need to go download Communicore Weekly, the musical. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. We could banter about that. And they need to buy t-shirts and... Listen to all the episodes and download them a second time so we get even more That's downloads. That's true. Stats. That's a good That's one. Good. The, uh, we That's
0: can throw good. out the communicers Cruise thing again. You guys can come hang yeah. out on the Computer Cruise. Yeah. We got a bunch of people going. Uh,
1: um, Communic
0: Core Weekly at fair mo- fairygodmothertravel.com. Send them an email.
1: Mm-hmm. What yeah, else we, we got? got that.
0: That's all we got, right?
1: Well, we got t shirts and buttons, and people can join the Year of a Million or so Limited Time Cadets. Yeah, prize they contest. can. They can do that. So.
0: Okay, oh, um, I think we fulfilled alarm. our just banter quota, right?
1: Yeah, 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 it just went off, so we're good. So. All right, here we go. It's time for
0: park Storm. So in our 5 years here at Communico Weekly, we've always tried to bring the, you guys the cadets the most interesting segments that we can. You know, for the most part, we focused on Walt Disney World and Disneyland and Disney related stuff because those were the passionate things that we were really passionate about when we first started, you know, The Greatest Online Show. And you know, we started to branch out and look at other theme parks for the, Episode 70 where we covered the, uh, the history of just theme parks in general. And since then, we tried to cover as many amusement, thrill, and theme parks as we could. We worked at uh, Knott's Berry Farm, Carowinds, Dollywood, uh, the parks of Coney Island, Kings Island, Six Flags Over Texas, Bush Gardens, Tampa, and Williamsburg. You know, just a, a few of the parks we, we visited. But now we're going to turn our collectiveness to the park that's
1: known as the roller coaster capital of the world. Yes, yeah, so without any further holding of breath, we're going to be talking about cedar point and that's known today for an amazing collection of roller coasters which will total 17 once val raven opens in the 2016 season and cedar point itself sits on 365 acres of the lake of a lake erie peninsula and offers 72 rides that's a lot that is a lot of rides And Cedar Fair also owns six resort hotels, four of which are on the island, and two are less than a mile away on the mainland. And there's also a marina on the island, which has fuel service, restaurants, laundry facilities, and a separate marina park entrance. They also own two hotels on the mainland, an indoor water park, and another marina on the mainland. And there's also Soak City, which is a 16-acre water park that has its own admission right next to Cedar Point. So we're going to
0: crank up Dr. Scott's Swan Boat Time Machine, batting pending, of course, and we're going to hit the 88 miles per hour to travel back to Sandusky, Ohio. Lovely. Sandusky, Ohio <laughs> in 1870. So the first tourists, so to speak, that started to go back to the island uh, after the Civil War and they were ferried across by Louis Zistel for 25 cents a person on his steamer, the Young Reindeer. Now Zistel built a beer house with a small dance floor and a bathhouse. And this is considered the beginnings of uh, Cedar Point as an amusement park. So in
1: 1882, Benjamin Dwell and Captain William Slackford leased land on the peninsula. They built eight new bathhouses and a dance hall. And the sand on Cedar Point was always known as being very difficult to traverse. So they also built walkways on the beach, sort of like very small boardwalks. And a dock was built at the Miller's Cove. Hopefully we said that right. And the steamer, RB Hayes, serviced that dock while the steamer Lutz serviced the Cedar Point Lighthouse. And Dwell and Slackford continued to clear the island of cedar trees and bush, while adding picnic tables and a baseball diamond. And in 1884, the steamer H.B. Wilson began servicing Bemiller's Cove.
0: So, Dwell became ill in 1888, and Slackford partners partnered with uh, Louis Adolph and Adam Stoll, two Cedar Point landowners also. Uh, There was also Jacob Kubler and Charles uh, Bates, who partnered with them, and they constructed the Grand Pavilion, which still stands today. It had a two-story theater and a concert hall. And it also featured a bowling alley and a photography studio. Next door was the Ladies' Pavilion, for the ladies, um, with refreshments suitable for ladies and children. And in 1890, the first amusement ride was opened. It was a water toboggan ride that was basically a giant slide that launched riders directly
1: into Lake Erie. It had to be amazing. Um, So in 1891, we saw the addition of electricity to Cedar Point with the Brush Electric Dynamo power plant and the Switchback Railway opened in 1892. And if you remember from our roller coaster episode, this is one of the first types of coasters that was actually built in America. It was designed and built by L.A. Thompson, who had built the original Pleasure Railway in Coney Island in 1884. The Switchback Railway at Cedar Point stood 25 feet high and sped a breathtaking 10 miles per hour. Uh, It had two identical tracks that stood side by side. So basically you ride down one side while the other train was being hauled up manually by an attendant for the next ride. Yeah, nope. I don't think so. Not us. So, uh, over the next few years, a pony track, a diving platform, horizontal bars, which I think are like monkey bars, and bicycle boats would be added.
0: The rest of Cedar Point's history will be defined in a few major eras based on who is in charge, you know, more or less. In 1897, the Lake Erie and Western Railroad purchased the peninsula for. Uh, $256,000, which is more, you know, in today's terms, uh, $7 million basically. It, they formed the Cedar Point Pleasure Resort Company and George A. Bauchlin, uh was appointed as the park's manager. The next 34 years would be known as the Bachlin era. In 1894, the bathhouses were renovated and over 3,000 bathing suits were available for rent and also disgusting. Um... <laughs> The Bayshore Hotel was opened in 1899 and was the first hotel on Cedar Point. In 1901, the White House Hotel with 55 rooms would open on Sandusky Bay.
1: So the three-way figure-eight roller toboggan debuted in 1902, and it would be moved and renamed as the Racer a few years later. It had a height of 46 feet and was 2,500 feet in length. And apparently, the mosquitoes like Cedar Point Uh, In 1904, the Detroit Dredging Company was hired to drain the swampy areas. They connected a series of lagoons to form a waterway that became one of the main attractions for Cedar Point. It was used to transport coal to the power plant on the center of the island, and it also became a very popular sightseeing attraction. Not the coal boat, but people riding their own boats. (laughs) I thought that was kind of odd. And uh, then they expanded the bathhouses... And added 500 changing rooms.
0: Wow. The Hotel Breakers opened in 1905, with 600 rooms and a cafe that can seat up to 400 guests in it. So it was one of the biggest hotels in the Midwest at the time. The Crystal Rock Castle, also known as Crystal Rock Palace, was open to exclusively serve beer in very large glass mugs. There's a big Sounds theme here with Buck. Good to me. Yeah. yeah. So It was named after the Crystal Rock Beer, a local brew by the Kubler-Stang Brewing Company of Sandusky. The Amusement Circle, or the Midway, was added in 1906, and it was built to connect the pier to the beach. The Amusement Circle included uh, the Circle Swings, a miniature railroad, the Auto Tour, a skating rink, shooting gallery, and the House of Mirth. The Colosseum was also built near the, uh, the Midway. It had a large ballroom on the second floor, and a Rathskeller on the first floor where they sold beer and wine. And two dormitories were also built to house the seasonal workers there.
1: Yeah, so 1907 saw the addition of the Eastland Steamer serving Cleveland. The Dips the Dips scenic uh, railway coaster was added in 1908. And it had a height, and I've seen two different numbers of either 33 or 53 feet, probably 53, and was 4,500 feet long. And it cost 10 cents a ride and featured 18 dips. And I'm assuming that meant, like, up and down dips, not, like, really stupid, like... People. Eighteen Jeff and Georges just around the way. Just just, just, just riding it the whole time. Yeah, okay. So then the steamer GA Boakling, which could carry 2,000 people, started service and replaced, it, replaced the steamer New York that had been running. Um, and you have to remember that there was really no other way to reach the island at this point but by steamer, steamship, or boat. So uh, in 1911, Cedar Point announced that it would build a roadway connecting the resorts to the mainland of Sandusky. It would take several years before the seven-mile Cedar Point Chaussee would open on July 19th, 1914. Just really quick, a neat bit of trivia that's related to the sports. In
0: 1913, Newt Rocknew worked as a lifeguard with his teammate Gus uh, Dorays, and apparently they perfected the forward pass on the Cedar Point Beach. And we don't know why that's important. I don't know what that means. No, so... Um, anyway, so let's—sorry, let's, sorry, let's <laughs> jump back. I was just confused by the sports for a second. I know. He's just like, what? Let's sorry. jump back to 1912 when the Lip, Leap the Dips ride opened, where you jumped over Jeff and George's. Um, <laughs> it was much larger than the Dips the Dips uh, scenic railway, and it was an out-and-back style coaster. In 1915, the White House Hotel was renovated and renamed the Cedars Hotel. And in 1918, the Leap the Dips is reprofiled, and some people say it was ref- uh, re- it was just raised completely, and the Leapfraub uh, Railway with a 70-foot hill was opened instead.
1: Yeah, so when we were researching the history of Cedar Point, um, we ran into no less than three different sources, and actually a few more, that all had confusing and contradicting information about the various scenic railroads, uh, railways and roller coasters that operated. Some have said that it was the original Switchback Railway that was moved down to the beach to become the racer, and others have said it was the Thruway Figure 8 that was moved and become the racer. Regardless, I think it was obvious even from that early that Cedar Point would be the home to many, many roller coasters. But more importantly,
0: in 1920, the Crystal Rock Castle would start selling sandwiches because prohibition. (laughs)
1: Exactly. So at one point, federal agents raided the administrative building and Boeckling had an apartment on the second floor and they found illegal stashes of alcohol that were being served to Boeckling special guests. And sadly, on June 18th, June 28th, 1924, a tornado or multiple tornadoes touched down in the Sandusky Lorraine area and over 85 people were reported dead. But there aren't really exact figures. Originally, 25 were reported dead at Cedar Point, but it actually wasn't that high. Uh, Several docks and warehouses on Cedar Point were actually lifted and thrown into the lake by the tornado. And six cottages were reported damaged. Also, guests on one of the steamers watched while the tornado approached the island, hit the edge and then moved east. That's
0: a little creepy. I'm not very
1: scary. Very, very scary.
0: So, in 1925, the Caterpillar flat ride is added, and the Kittyland debuts. And over the next few years, several attractions were added, uh, Noah's Ark, which was a walkthrough funhouse, the Scooter Ride, uh, a Tilt-A-Whirl, Bluebeard's Palace, and the Shoot the Shoots. And in 1929, the Cyclone debuts, which poorly named if you ask me, <laughs> Exactly. Um, which is a 72-foot-tall coaster designed by uh, Harry Traver, and it was built as Scientifically Built for Speed, Thrills, and Safety. Also, the stock market crashed in 1929, causing the Great Depression and several
1: years of hard times for Cedar Point. Yeah, so in the 1920s, Boakling's health began to deteriorate and he was confined to a wheelchair by 1931, but he still oversaw park operations. He would have an employer or uh, an employee or a relative push him around the park. And sadly, he would be confined indoors during the uh, last part of his life. And on July 24th, 1931, he passed away. The Depression would hit Cedar Point fairly hard, and it was almost sold to the state of Ohio for $3 million. But we'll learn more about that in part two of our Cedar Point history.
0: Cliffhanger!
1: I love the cliffhanger. So we would like to know what you think about the early years of Cedar Point, or if you have any memories of Cedar Point from that time. Give us a call on the Communicore GOAT line, which, you know, is great because it has the word GOAT in it, at 424 785 4628. That's 424 785 GOAT. He's a nurse, he's, he's, he's a geek, but we all like to
0: hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. Ah! It's George's Book of the Week.
1: This week's book is the unofficial Walt Disney World Earbook 2014 by Kevin Yi. And this is the sixth in the series for Kevin, and I'm really glad to see that he's continuing his yearly look at the Walt Disney World Resort. And as we've actually covered here before on Communicore Weekly, uh, with this series of book, Kevin looks at the entire year at the Florida property, month by month, and focuses on the different changes throughout the year. And the earbook does focus on more than just the changes, and Kevin does offer a lot of photos and some minor editorial information, which can always be fun. So it's it's one of those books that's turning into a collection, and it's really going to be a lot more valuable through the years. And you know, we, we take for granted now how easy it is to find current information about the parks and resorts, but try and do almost any researching when an attraction might have closed or anything about the, uh, the parks or the resorts or the restaurants in the 1970s or the 80s and you run into a complete lack of information. And I'm trying <laughs> not to sound bitter, but I am. So even Dave Smith's amazing Disney Encyclopedia has had wrong dates in it that I've discovered based on research in some official newsletters and publications I have ran across. So having a resource that pinpoints exactly when an attraction may have opened or premiered when it was even in soft openings or when it shuttered is extremely useful Uh, especially a resource is valid as kevin's earbooks so uh, additionally kevin offers a look at the resort by picking uh, a day in the summer and offering a look at the hours and all of the entertainment options that happened he also lists all of the items available during the food and wine festival as well as the prices and when that actual that country debuted at Epcot, like 2007 or 2001, um, it really is uh, amazing to me that he is able to take all this information and compile it into a very usable and readable format. You know, it's not a litany of facts, just a boring recitation, uh, recitative, something like that. But it's a very well thought out and purposeful title. You know, he covers stuff this uh, for this book like Colortopia, Star Wars Launch Bay, Club Disney, and the Sunset Showcase. You know, and he even takes a few minutes or some time in the book to look back at Captain EO, the Star Wars Weekends, the Osborne Lights, and the Richard Petty Driving Experience. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard to review this book because there's not a lot to say except what it actually is. You know, you're looking at the whole resort, what opened and what closed, over the past year. But I think it is a type of book that people are really going to love and they're going to be truly thankful to Kevin for producing it. So I stand by my statements and statements, statements from previous editions, that this is a book that Disney fans and Disney historians are going to find priceless in a few years. So make sure to pick up a copy now so you don't have to you know wait for your on-demand printing later. But this week's book is the unofficial Walt Disney Wood Earbook, 2015 by Kevin Yi. What we liked, what we didn't like, He's in the booze! 60 Second Review! So, I wasn't sure what to expect when I started watching my review copy of The Lion Guard. A follow up of sorts, maybe? To the amazing Lion King film. Um, I don't have cable, that's a conscientious choice, so I missed a lot of the hype from the Disney Channel and disney jr specifically which really should have told me a lot about this it it really it should have really um i mean i
0: love the lion king i love the sequel i love the lion king one and a half i mean i thought disney had a pretty solid track record at least in my mind when it came to the lion king property Mm -hmm. so when the (laughs) lion guard came out i kind of couldn't wait to check it out when i heard about it but then Uh you know
1: i saw it yeah So the Lion King sequels were a very bright spot in a very dark time for Disney direct-to-video sequels. Um, But this film was even a little too much or actually too little for me. Uh, It's basically the introductory episode for the show on the Disney Junior Channel. And that's it. There's no extra... Well, I take that back. There is a video with some guy that's got a hat and a goatee that play some kind of returning to the pride land or something song, but that's it. There's no extras, no special features. Um, I think we can chalk this up as being definitely the wrong audience for the film. Oh, totally. But it was still so formulaic that I found myself just second guessing every plot point in between checking out Instagram and Twitter on my phone. So So,
0: uh, if you really want to know the story follows, uh, Kyan, the Prince of the, the pride lands, who, you know, he wakes up one day and he realizes that he's going to be the next leader of the Lion Guard. And tradition says that the second born of the reigning king will be the leader of the Lion Guard, and that just happens to be him. So Simba asks him to assemble the bravest and the fastest and the strongest in the Pride Lands. In
1: the the keenest of eye.
0: Oh, yeah, the keenest of eye, that's right. Can't forget that one. Sorry, I forgot. I was just so enthralled with the rest of it, I totally forgot (laughs) it. Um, To invite (laughs) members, uh, but he fails to mention to him that only lions can join. So, of course, he invites... Literally all his friends who aren't lions, so naturally conflict, hilarity, and boring, <laughs> boring 45 minutes, you know, ensues.
1: Yeah, so so we do have the return of some very familiar characters like Simba, voiced by Rob Lowe, which makes total sense. Um, Pumbaa, Timon, sort of sound like the characters, and Rafiki, sort of, and Mufasa was there, which is kind of weird. It was very weird. That's okay, um, but it's um, yeah. And so there were there were two songs that sort of come close to what we heard in the Lion King, but they weren't exactly there. So I don't know. I, I feel kind of bad for giving this disc such a bad review, but it is a Disney Junior Channel production. and <laughs> really geared for the preschool crowd, and I know emotionally, that's where Jeff and I stand. Pretty much, yeah. But I don't even know I, I, if the preschool
0: team's gonna like it. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe yes. I mean, there's bright colors, old <laughs> favorites from the original film, even though they're different voices. Um, I mean, it's an easy enough to plow plot for that crowd. So, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. they'll like it. But it's not really meant for us, unfortunately. Yeah. So, not at all. Mm,
1: eh, yeah. Maybe catch it on the Disney Channel. If no, nah, don't even watch it on the Disney it, Channel. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so nothing, sorry. Yeah, this week 60 second review was the Lion Guard. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five, like it go-
0: <laughs> If you're a guest at the Art of Animation at Walt Disney World, you'll have access to the resort's pools. I mean, even if you're not a guest, you'll you'll probably try to get in anyway, like <laughs> I have a million times, but that's neither here nor there. Um, So the big blue pool, as it's named, in the Finding Nemo section is by far the most stunning and the most popular and the most noisy pool (laughs) on the entire property. The design of the atmosphere is really fun to look at, but Disney actually does take the extra step and, you know, a whole experience to a whole new level when you're actually in the pool. So you're not crazy, but when you put your head under the water, if you hear music, it's not just in your head. They're literally pumping music into the pool so you can enjoy while you're underwater just like the fishes do just like fish listen to music in their headphones underwater
1: it's amazing well they you know they do like in the um under the sea that's true you know they do they've do got that. the the whole band thing going on there the how, how uh, do the hot crustacean band the hot crustacean band that's, that's right. right
0: that's right so each little snail yeah knows <laughs> how get to whale under the sea
1: yeah so you've ridden that right too many times what no please no, i don't no, know what you're talking about not at all so Okay, well, hopefully you haven't had your head underwater for the past 13 months. I'm glad these segues are getting a little bit better. Sometimes they it's do. It's like the
0: banter got in the beginning got worse, but the segues got much better. You can and only I think have, have the one. You can only have
1: one, yeah. So, Just like So, pilot. yeah, um, we hope you were familiar with familiar with our year of a million or so limited time cadets. Speaking has not improved. Rise. No, not at all. After five <laughs> years of doing this. We are giving out a weekly prize and uh, to enter the contest before we tell you who the prize winner is, just remember you can email weekly at gmail.com with your name, address, and birthday in order to be part of the contest. And we still got another 40, like 11 months, 40 something, something like weeks. that. Yes. So we still got tons of prizes to give away. And Jeff, this week's prize winner, and it,
0: they're going to get a Communicor Weekly prize pack. And the winner is Cynthia B.,
1: from Salida, California.
0: Yay! I don't know where yeah. that
1: is. I don't either. So Salida, I mean, California, California. I'm assuming it's Southern California. It just feels like Southern California to me. Sure. Well, let's go with that. Maybe. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so, but but Cynthia, when you get your prize, you know, take a photo and tweet it or put it on the Facebooks and let us see it. Yes, please. We're excited. So, but okay, that means we've reached the end of another episode. So thank you guys so much for watching and listening to... Communicore weekly
0: please however you get the show whether it's you know a podcast on itunes or on youtube leave us a comment leave us a rating we'd love to hear what you think about it
1: yes and email us at communicor at gmail.com to enter the contest or just say what's up and of course
0: you can always like us on facebook at facebook.com slash communicor weekly and follow
1: us on twitter instagram and periscope i'm at imagine Nerding. he's at jeff heimbuck And, of course, you can always leave a uh, voicemail on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And make sure you visit the Communistore on our website, CommunicoreWeekly.com, where you can get Communicore the Weekly, no, Communicore Weekly the Musical, and tons of great t-shirts, which hopefully are all spelled right, right?
0: I hope so. Yeah, they Um, should be. You can also uh, send away for your official cadet membership card or uh, your official Communicore Weekly stickers. Just send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856.
1: And you can always visit patreon.com slash Weekly to find out how you can help support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbach, I'm George Taylor. And for
0: George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heinbuck. Thanks for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.